1: this market is getting ahead of itself. Let's have that conversation right now with Mohamed Al Aaron of Queens College, Cambridge, with us in the studio here in New York City. Mohamed, great to catch up with you as well, sir. Let's start with this. We're stuck on Wednesday. Never mind the fact that it's Tuesday. We're still talking about Wednesday. What happened in that news conference with Chairman Powell last
2: week? Total confusion. And the fact that you start a show on Tuesday, talking about confusion from last Wednesday, is an indication of how absurd this whole situation is. John, the whole point of Fed communication is to do two things. One is to be transparent, and two is to enhance the power of forward policy guidance. Instead, Fed communication confuses people. Fed communication fuels moral hazard. How often did you hear The the Fed put is back, and it erodes the credibility. I, I think we have a real problem with Fed communication. And The market is absolutely correct in trying to do two things first in trying to bully the Fed because this Fed seems To be willing to be bullied and secondly to get carried away with this notion that we, the Fed put his back Let's go back to the comments from
1: Chairman Powell in the news conference Mohammed and work through them together Here was the quote the question of when it will become appropriate to begin dialing back the amount of policy restraint in place Is clearly of topic of discussion now for the world and also a discussion for us at our meeting today Did you find that Confusing, or the comments we've had since then confusing?
2: Which one? So, like everybody else, I think you put more emphasis on Chair Powell's comments, and that's what the market has done. If someone was with him that understood how the market would react, they would say to him, whoa, be really careful because the way you're going to be heard may be different from how you want to be heard. You're going to be heard as opening the door wide open to a major rally in both fixed income and inequities. You know, in the old days, you had people like Kevin Walsh, who would be in touch with the markets, who understood how the Fed would be heard, and who was a moderating voice in terms of, let's, let's ask the question, not what do we want to say, but how it will we be heard. We don't have that. And John, this utter confusion, you have now 2 prong communication reaction. One is to walk back what he said, and the other one is to explain what he said, right? You can't do both at the same time. You've got to decide, are we walking it back or are we explaining it? Now we're getting both.
1: So we've had plenty of pushback, not just from Fed officials, but from people writing columns, including yourself, Mohammed. Bill Dudley, former New York Fed president, said this was a big gamble, this apparent pivot. You've said the market shouldn't be being bullied, or rather, the market shouldn't bully the Fed. Now can you explain to me just that headline on the market bullying the Fed?
2: How is the market bullying the Fed? So what the market has done, and we saw it in January of 2019, we saw it happen in April of 2020, we saw it happen in November of 2021, is that every time the Fed goes towards the market, because there's a decoupling, the market runs away further from the Fed. And the market has understood that it can drag the Fed along. And that's got to stop, John, because we get overshoots, and then we've got to pay for the consequences of those overshoots later on. In the piece in the Financial
1: Times that you wrote earlier this week, there was a quote at the very top of the article. It read as follows. It turns out that inflation was transitory after all. That's some of the language being used out there at the moment, Mohammed. Why is that the wrong conclusion?
2: Yeah, so I used that quote and and then pushed back on it immediately, saying not only is it analytically incorrect but it is dangerous. Why is it analytically incorrect? A transitory phenomenon is temporary, it is reversible, and therefore you look through it. You don't change your behavior. Massive behavioral changes have resulted over the last few years from inflation that was too high, starting from the Fed itself having to tighten, but we've seen also the banking issues. We've seen what's happening to commercial real estate. There's been major changes. So to call inflation transitory after all is to ignore that the landscape has changed because of inflation. It's also dangerous, John, Because it opens the door to this notion that we're going back to a rate structure that is very artificial. We're not. We're gonna settle at a higher average level of yields than we did after the global financial crisis. And we shouldn't fuel this this notion that we're going back to what followed the global financial crisis. We we are living in a world of inflexible supply side. What's happening in the Red Sea is another illustration of that and we've got to recognize that we're no longer in a world of insufficient demand we live in a world of insufficient
1: supply we'll get to the Red Sea and the Suez Canal a little bit later in the hour let's just pick out one part of the economy Mohammed together let's go to the labor market haven't we learned from this cycle so far that this labor market the characteristics of it aren't a threat to price pressure
2: yes because the supply side has been responding it took time But it's lovely to see people going back into the labor force. Having said that, John, we're still in the middle innings of the labor market. So let's wait and see how that evolves. But the good news, and we should all be encouraging this, is that more people have entered the labor force. You think it's wrong to assume that supply-side-led improvement, rebalancing we've seen, won't continue? I think there's a real question about um, skill mismatches. Um, There's a real question about how, how far you can increase labor force participation. My hope is that it will continue, but you need to
1: wait and see. So we've had massive easing in financial markets, financial conditions over the last two months, both in equities, credit, and also in the bond market as well. Yields aggressively lower. What's the price we're going to pay for that, do you think, the moves we've seen in just the last two
2: months? Yeah, mean first, the easing has been historic. Um, Lisa put out a tweet before Chair Powell turbocharged this whole thing, showing that financial conditions were looser today than they were when the Fed started hiking. And then they've loosened significantly since then because of the way the market interpreted what Chair Powell has said. What's the risk, John? The risk is that they're loosening too quickly and too much. And that in itself will mean that the last mile of the inflation battle, which was complicated to begin with, gets even more
1: complicated. Why does it have to be complicated? We've heard from many people who think maybe the hard work is behind us. Jan Hatzius Goldman Sachs talked about that in his outlook for 2024. And I guess I think we're hearing that from Fed officials as well. Perhaps this last mile doesn't have to be that difficult. Secretary Yellen even weighing in on it as well. Why do you disagree with them?
2: So first of all, it depends how you define the last mile. If you define the last mile how I would like them to defi- define the last mile, which is de facto or implicitly target a high inflation rate, it doesn't need to be difficult. And if that's what they're thinking is, I very much applaud that because there's no need to sacrifice um, the real economy in order to get to an inflation target that's not suited for the world we live in today. So if that's the interpretation, then I'm with them. It doesn't need to be complicated. It doesn't need to create damage. If the interpretation is we're gonna get to 2% without causing problems, I just don't see it. Look at the inflation dynamic. Look at what's happening. You would need service disinflation to massively accelerate because outright goods deflation is gonna stop at some point. And it's very difficult to get service inflation down using interest rate policy alone.
1: So do you get the sense this Fed is accepting two point something for inflation and not 2.0?
2: I think they're heading that way, John, yes I do. I think they're heading that way. They're never gonna say it, but I think they're recognizing and the new emphasis you're starting to hear, and you heard it today from Mary Daly, the president of San Francisco Fed, saying basically we don't need to sacrifice the real side of the economy. Mohammed, let's build on that just a little
1: bit. EM, I think it's a massive home bias right now here in the United States. Growth is OK. inflation's coming down. Rate cuts seemingly are just around the corner. Why wouldn't you stay here? Why would you
2: go abroad right now? Because there's more value abroad. Um, you've seen this in local currency in EM. Um, the asset class ha- has been abandoned by quite a few investors. Um, as I mentioned, speaking to Monica, it continues to suffer outflows when other asset classes have suffered inflows. I mean, we, say, we call it the everything rally, and EM has rallied, but it hasn't changed the technical dynamics. So I find it quite interesting. There's a lot of conversation going on. Is it structurally damaged? Is it the way EM is managed? Um, but if you compare like for like, there's a valuation advantage that isn't being exploited enough in EM.
1: We'll see if rate cuts are a catalyst for change, a change of attitudes towards emerging markets in the year to come. Mohamed, let's build on that just a little bit. EM, I think it's a massive home bias right now here in the United States. Growth is OK. inflation's coming down. Rate cuts seemingly are just around the corner. Why wouldn't you stay here? Why
2: would you go abroad right now? Because there's more value abroad. Um, you've seen this in local currency in EM. Um, the asset class has been abandoned by quite a few investors. Um, as I mentioned, speaking to Monica, it continues to suffer outflows when other asset classes have suffered inflows. I mean, we, say, we call it the everything rally, and EM has rallied, but it hasn't changed the technical dynamics. So I find it quite interesting. There's a lot of conversation going on. Is it structurally damaged? Is it the way EM is managed? Um, but if you compare like for like, there's a valuation advantage that it isn't being exploited enough in the year.
1: We'll see if rate cuts are a catalyst for change, a change of attitudes towards emerging markets in the year to come. Just a final word with Mohammed and erian Mohammed, looking back on 23, looking ahead to 2024, one big last thing for you. What's the big risk for next year from your perspective?
2: I think it's both a risk and an opportunity, which is volatility that causes more dispersion. You know, John, we've banked early. The major supportive top-down factor, and that is that the Fed would pivot to loosening and considerable loosening. Well, we've banked that. That is what's pushing us and what continues to push us for a while. The what next is not going to be a top-down factor. It's going to be bottom-up. So more volatility and more dispersion. Mohamed, thank you for today and for the whole of 2023. Thank you, sir.